0: Three, two, one. Here we go. Non-issue, handled internally, I'm not talking about it. Now what don't we understand about that? Do you
1: understand what internally means? It's been handled internally, we're not talking about it, it's over with. Move on, next question. Got nothing to say?
0: Enjoy your day, fellas, we'll see you at Iverwent Stadium. Here we go. Welcome to the handled internally Blue Bombers podcast. I'm Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com, joined as always by the chief consigliere of the Blue Bombers, Darren Cameron, the director of senior and public relations and media relations and community relations. Yeah, and okay. well, we have a sponsor now. Bomber fans, PlayNow.com reminds you that when you bet on Blue, there's only one legal online sports book in Manitoba, only one that guarantees your winnings, only one where the profits stay here to support your community. Play your bombers at playnow.com, your hometown sports book. Enjoy responsibly. How about that? I read that without a error. First it sounded like down. your nose is plugged, buddy.
2: Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Anyway, now we're finally through that. Uh, Thank Brady. you. Brady. How are you,
1: man? Welcome. Thanks for having me on. I've I've yep. heard uh, I've actually listened to some episodes in the past, and uh, so I'm I'm honored to be on. <laughs> honored, honored
2: might be a stretch. We've been trying to do this <laughs> since uh since February, but you know shit. Considering I'm the head of PR here, it's pretty hard to nail you down somehow. I don't know how that works out, but uh.
1: you know I got uh, I got lots in the go. Yeah. especially, especially in the off season, it's. Uh, people would say you know off season we got a lot more time, but for me it seems like it gets busier.
2: Yeah, yeah. we well, you do you all know, these commercials and all that shit. You got so much going on, buddy. Lots, lots going on. Lots, lots lots going on. It's Better goal, than man. the opposite.
1: You're right. Better than the opposite. That's so, right.
2: as I was telling you before we started, we kind of, uh, you know, this is kind of a free flowing thing. We kind of just start from a guy's kind of starting point of his football career, way back to whenever you started playing. So, maybe just take us back to those days. It was not that long ago. Yeah, I guess, I guess you know, I'm, I'm
1: only 25. Yeah, there you go. Uh, still young into my career, but I started playing when I was 13. Um, and kind of how it started for me, I, I was uh, grew up in a soccer family. You know, I played soccer my entire life. My dad is from Brazil. So it was like in our blood to play soccer. You know, I got two siblings, an older brother and a younger sister. We all played high-level soccer growing up. And you know, my dad didn't know much about football. My mom didn't know anything about football, and there's no way my mom was gonna let me play football, right? All she knew that there's lots of contact in it. Uh, so, kind of how it started was uh, a soccer c- coach of mine growing up is the one who got me involved in football. He was coaching for the Northwood Pig Nomads at the time, and also coaching soccer. Um, one of their players went down, and he needed someone to fill in. So he he kept asking my mom, you know, throughout the years of playing soccer, hey, Brady should play football. I was always a bigger kid. He thought I would, I would be good. He, he saw something in me. Um, so anyways, one of his players goes down. He, I remember the day he comes to my house, knocks on the door. My mom answers the door. It's like, you know, I'm, this is the last time I'm going to ask you. A player went down. You know, can Brady just come try, you know, football? He had the equipment in his hand. He had a helmet, wow. pads, and everything. He's like, I'll leave this with you. Just think about it, but we have a practice tomorrow at this time so my mom asked me he's like you know this guy his name's ron scorepad he keeps asking he wants you to play football i'm gonna leave it up to you do you want to go try the practice was like five minutes from my house so i was able to walk there the next day and i was like yeah i'll go try so with my soccer background they of course started me as kicking you know i was, I was a kicker and then did some receiver um, but yeah i ended up playing that football season um midway through joined and i fell in love and then i kind of had to make a decision okay do I continue with soccer? Um, I didn't know how far I would make it in soccer, especially you know, being in Canada. Um, so I had to make a decision. And I, I guess I, you know, looking back at it now, I made the right decision and, and started you know, uh, playing with the North Winnipeg Nomads. And uh, yeah, the rest, I guess, is history.
0: So I, I picture you coming out of the offensive huddle and then you burst into the line of scrimmage and running over people. That, I'm trying to transfer that now to the soccer pitch. What were you like as a soccer player? Because that kind of skill of just plowing into people doesn't necessarily work in soccer.
1: Totally. And that was just me. Like, that's my natural uh, gift, I would say. I think, you know, as you, you know, my football career growing up with the Nomads and at Oak Park and at North Dakota and now pro playing with the Bombers, that's just my game, right? It's it's just running into people and, and trying to, you know, be the most physical that I can. And that was the same thing in soccer. I was, you know, I, I played striker, I was a forward, I loved scoring goals, and, you know, uh, the midfielder would, would send me the ball, and I'm running, sprinting for the ball, and if someone's in my way, you know, they might catch a shoulder. And <laughs> could you always do that? Not necessarily, but um, but I think uh, that's where, you know, Ron Scorpat saw that. He's like, you know, this he's a physical kid, and, and as I was always a bigger kid. I think he'll be good at this football game, so... Thank you, Ron.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So we don't talk too much usually about someone's high school career, but given your, given the history with Oak Park and, and obviously from being from Winnipeg, you, you, how did you get it from, from from junior high into high school, and then you morphed into probably one of the best high school players of all time? These crazy records: twenty-two hundred yards, three hundred seventy yards in the game. Um, what did take us through your high school time, and like when did you start to realize like this could be? I could be on to something here from a career standpoint.
1: Yeah, it was uh, the whole high school journey was crazy. Um, You know, I grew up in Garden City here in Winnipeg, and uh, I went to Garden City for grade nine, and I was still playing club football at the time with the Nomads. And then, you know, as it got more serious for me, I was like, okay, like, you know, this is something that I really want to pursue. I want to, you know, earn a scholarship and and go play somewhere, you know, at, at the highest level that I can. So I wanted to make sure I was going to play high school football and getting, you know, the best possible coaching and and playing against the best competition. And uh, that's when I decided to make that move to Oak Park in grade 10. I couldn't go in grade 9 because they are French immersion at the time. So I went there in grade 10 and best decision that I I made personally, it was, uh, you know, the coaching that they had and and obviously the the list of players that they've had come out of that program. Um, You know, a guy that I remember, obviously, and, you know, one of my best friends and, you know he's in the huddle with me every day is, is De- Demer Demski yeah. right and uh i remember going there in grade 9 and watching them play they were playing against Sisler at Oak Park and i was like who is this guy and then i actually ended up getting to meet Demski after the game i went down to their locker room and they introduced me to Nick and now it's like full circle i'm like yeah. this is this is crazy like one of my best friends and uh, we're playing on the same team together but uh that whole Oak Park experience was it was awesome. My, my high school journey was a little bit different. I, I Obviously grade 10 at Oak Park and then in grade 11 is when I went to, I left Oak Park and went to a prep school called Canada Prep Football Academy. It was located in St. Catharines, Ontario and the reason why I made that decision was, uh, you know, my goals and aspirations were to, to earn a full ride, you know, division one scholarship and in my mind I believe that me playing against their guys, you know, American high schools is going to get me the best shot at earning a scholarship. So I went to this prep school and played against a full U.S. schedule for my junior year and then, you know, got was gaining lots of interest from lots of NCAA schools and decided to come back for my senior year. And it's probably the most fun I've ever had. You know, we, we beat St. Paul's here at IG Field, actually, in in the finals. And, uh, yeah, the Oak Park, it was awesome. So it was fun. The
2: year that the year you had... The twenty-two hundred yards and three hundred and seventy in a game, six touchdowns. Was that the year your, wow. your finals finals what, what Was that, three seventy? Three seventy. I mean, that's that's. I just mean, is certain. that
0: on a billion carries or is yeah. it just
1: 100 I think yards I was right? just, I was just ripping them off. So like at that, at, so that so I guess nuts. like at that
2: point, is it like a, a men? A men against boys there, like is that like in, in, in looking back on it, and I know you're.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back, I so this is what I preach to kids nowadays, and this is. You know, now looking back at it, the reason why I was able to get ahead and be so dominant in high school is because I was working out, I was lifting at yeah. a at a young age. Yeah. Um, you know, during high school, ever since, you know, grade nine, ten, eleven, twelve, I was I was in the weight room and I was lifting and I really took that serious. And I think that really just you know, I was bigger, faster, stronger than everyone because of that. Yeah. And I think that's why I was so dominant in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: you so you went to Canada prep and then came back for your last season?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it okay. came back.
0: And then uh, when you went to North Dakota, what kind of offers did you have? Did you, were you looking at other options too, Brady?
1: Yeah, so uh, that was my only, you know, offer on the table from a Division one school. Um, I kind of, my thing was, you know, if I don't get a full-ride scholarship, I'm going to have to stay in Canada. I just, my mom, there's no way she'd be able to afford to send me to, you mm-hmm. know, a, sure. a school. You know, what's crazy, my, my scholarship at UND... About thirty-five thousand U.S. dollars a year. Oh, Wow! And I was and I was there for four, you know, for four years. Like, so I left there with no school debt. Left there with, there with a degree. Like it was, it's a blessing. But so when I was going through this whole recruiting process, you know, as you get to like those levels, that they can offer you either a full scholarship, a half scholarship, or a quarter, right? And I'm like, if I get offered a quarter, even fifty, like there's no way that I, you know, we can make it work. So that was a driving factor for for sure for me, um, you know, making sure I earned that full ride scholarship. But uh, I had I had lots of interest, you know, lots of uh, other schools wanted to see me in in, in a camp. Um, but for me, growing up, it was like you know, Ohio was a school that was very interested. Actually, they ended up signing. They offered Malik Irons, yeah. who came out my draft class here. So it was between him and I um, that they're very interested in, and they wanted me to come down for a camp. And even Wyoming, there's so so many schools, but for me, it was, how do I get there, you know? Yeah. Grew up, you know, financially, it was a struggle. Sure. It's like, I can't get there, right? Yeah, so yeah, th- yeah. that was the biggest knock uh, growing up was, you know, maybe lacking some opportunities financially. Um, but at the end of the day, it all worked out. I mean, uh, being at North Dakota, was like a dream come true. And I say it's like the same thing playing for the Bombers. You know, being at UND, I had friends and family at every single game. Yeah. I mean, it's like two and a half hours away from Winnipeg, and... And now being here, you know, I have people are always here watching the so, play. So. so maybe
2: talk about your time there and th- throughout the four years in terms of, you know, how things changed for you, how you grew. Uh, must have been some funny shit, too, that happened. Oh, uh, it As was. You know, playing football in a town like that.
1: It was wild. I mean, obviously, if anyone that's, you know, most, especially Winnipegers, have probably been to Grand Forks, it's very close. And uh, without that. School without that in North Dakota, there's nothing there. There's nothing in Grand yeah. Forks. The University of North Dakota makes Grand Forks, and that's what makes it so fun. Especially being an athlete and playing for that town. Bomber fans, kind of, you know, uh, they they can relate to the North Dakota yeah. people. They're yeah. they're just they're diehard fans. We have diehard fans here, and they have diehard fans at UND, which is which is amazing. So. That whole experience—I mean, playing in a college town like that—you know, you you wake up and it's Saturday, and it's you know it's college football on yeah. Saturdays down in the states—and uh, it it was it was wild. Uh, the best, probably—I <laughs> got so many stories from college, but it was uh, Let's hear them. one of the best. The best experiences ever was you know going down there and actually living that college experience. You know, having that dorm life. I, obviously, me being from Canada, there's lots of people that you know play at Manitoba or whatever schools in Canada, but they don't live on on residence, they don't live in the dorms, they live at home, so they don't get to experience that college experience. Uh, And it was nuts first three days. It's sororities, fraternities, yeah, all the frass. Yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it was th- awesome.
0: Yeah. We're gonna be looking for new jobs if you go any further. So it's it, a yeah, we'll keep it PG. That's what I. I lived in res when I came to U of M here, for, and you got any stories, Eddie? And I'll tell you what. <laughs> if they had cell phones back in the day, I would still be in prison probably. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, Why well, cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> no, we had. It was wild. Um, so, Brady, when you're, you're you know you're piling up really good numbers at UND too. And then I remember in your draft year that I think some guys from here drove down to see, I'm sure, that the Bombers scouted you pretty heavily. How did you, I mean, it's first of all, you, everybody says the same thing. You're just excited to get drafted by anybody. But these guys had a lot of interest in you. And did you know that that was growing and that they interview you at the, you know, how did you know that you were big time on the Bombers' radar screen?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'd probably say it was I think they even came early on, actually, like my like my sophomore year, mm. like usually they're not looking at guys that right. er, that early, you know, especially at an f c s school they know guys aren't coming out to their senior year, so why look at them in their sophomore year? That's you know quite early, but you know they must have known you know, and that maybe saw potential in me, which is amazing and i so I kind of heard some chatter behind the doors, oh the, you know Winnipeg's coming down to this game or or oh, the bombers are. Bomber scouts are at this game watching, and and it kind of happened every year. You know, sophomore year, junior year, uh, and then senior year, of co- like they came down quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I was like, this is like crazy. Like they're, and 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 I think, you know, which is wild because I had this talk with Andrew uh, back like when I was in high school. Like he was like, I think he was just was he like just knew with the bombers, or I think he was knew he was about to sign with the bombers. And uh, he's just like, yeah, you know, you're going to, you know, kind of, you know, take over, watch. Like, I'm, I'm going to call it. Like, you're going to come in here and it's going to, you know, I'm going to leave and you're going to take over. And that's exactly what happened. And he literally called it. I'm like, that's freaky. At the time, I'm like, ah. Yeah, yeah. the funny
2: thing about that is is Andrew had the same kind of running with Charles Roberts. He did. When, when and he now they, they didn't did. necessarily yeah. cross paths in terms of playing here. But, yeah, Andrew said the same thing to Charles Roberts, not surprisingly, at the Palomino but yeah of yeah, course yeah so <laughs> yeah. so i mean you come in behind him and it's it's your first year what's the transition like i mean i know that that you know obviously you got hurt pretty early and that kind of put a damper home on opener, everything right
1: yeah we played week one in bc so okay. i got to play that game uh and then week two we're on a bye yeah week three it was week, and three, then we yeah. had week three and it was a home opener yeah. and obviously it was exciting for me you know I think that that week I had like 35 tickets from guys in the locker room. I had so many. I had so many people at the game, and uh, yeah, first play I go in on, I go down, and it was uh, it was unfortunate. But I think now looking back at it, I think now looking back at then to now, I think I've grown a lot. Um, I've matured. Uh, I feel like I'm a different person from when I first got here to who I am now. I think I've learned how to be a pro which, um, you know, you hear guys preach all the time, like... Whoa, 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 you're stealing my
2: fucking questions here, buddy. <laughs> oh, that, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I'm at good at this. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, 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 But yeah. That's, that's real. People are always say, that, you know, like, learn to be a pro, and it's like, until you actually go through, you know, the ebbs and flows of it, you don't really know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, yeah, looking back at it, and with Andrew here and, and you know, me getting hurt, and, and everyone has you know is egotistic in their own own way. I mean, I think especially being a skilled person, you you expect to, you know, be the best at your position and when you step on the field to, you know, you're going to be the best and when you get injured and and you're not contributing and and you have a, an organization that, you know, believed in you, you know, they they wanted you to come in and and they expe- had a high expectations for myself. I mean, I was told by, you know, you know, some of, the, you know, Osh and, and Lapo at the time and Know what they expected of me, and when you get hurt, and now you can't contribute, and and then you're watching guys, you know, at your position, and and Andrew knew. I mean, he knew. You know, I was um, I'm a younger dude, and I'm hungry. I'm I was I'm ready to take his his spot. And when you get hurt, and now you're on the back burner, it's like ah, you got to start start back from square one. So, but no, I th- I think that was good though. Looking back, I really was able to grow and mature, and 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 yeah, I, I I'm a different Brady from. My rookie year to now, yeah, been you cool sure are, Man, it's been cool to watch. It has man. been and cool to watch. Yeah. yeah, totally. You and
2: I have had a lot of conversations over the years about lots this. of convos, and you have grown a lot. But that's that's a testament not only to the to the your teammates but also to you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you mature, but you also had to grasp that you needed to continue to do that, which you did. Yeah, 100%. so, and then twenty twenty twenty, we missed the season. Twenty twenty one, I think probably helped from a mental standpoint as well cuz you got to actually get some playing time in right Andrew Andrew was going through the injuries and you got you you not only got some playing time but got the maybe not maybe not prove to yourself but you knew you could do it at this level at that point totally yeah
1: yeah it was uh definitely you know getting just some game experience in my and I think that season what was so nice about it is that I didn't really have any pressure on me yeah. you know knowing that you know Andrew was still there you know, he was, you know, up ups and downs, battling injuries, okay, you know, what was hard about it is that I had to stay ready all week knowing that, okay, I could be playing, I, I could be starting, I could not be starting, so that was tough, but what was nice is that there was no pressure knowing that, you know, I can go out there and play freely if I make some mistakes, like, of course you want to try and, you know, be, be the best you can and be perfect, but I think as a young guy, you know, the more games you stack under your belt, the better you get with experience, and I was still young, I mean, I was still you know only a couple games ever played um but it was just nice knowing that okay i'm i'm at this moment at this very present time i'm not their guy right now you know their guy is 33 and i'm just here to you know fill in for him because i know for however long he's here you know that that's the guy yeah so that was nice about that just just being able to play freely because i probably know what your next question is going to be because that was a freaking shit show which part uh, my first year starting. Last year. The last you're pretty year. open about oh, this. Man, well, gosh. what's what's funny... So it was nice. To pre- I had no pressure when Andrew's here yeah. the moment he's gone. just.
2: What's interesting is, in the off season going into last year, when there was a lot of, you know, we were kind of figuring out what we are going to do with that position in terms of, if, was Andrew going to play another year here? Um, and the thinking was, I think publicly, that you you wouldn't have wanted that. And then you and I talked about it, and you said, absolutely. If he if he's here for another year, fuck, I'll play another year behind him, and I'll look, keep learning. And then that didn't happen. And, you know, then it was like, holy shit, I'm I'm the guy now. But what do you mean? What, what, what are you talking
1: about? It, yeah, it was – so I remember us having that conversation yeah. in the offseason because – and that was wild. I remember, I remember talking to Ed. I was in Mexico on the beach when we had a conversation about, you know, me resigning – yeah, I think with me still being young in my career, and like I said, with experiences under your belt, having more games, uh, you know, the better you get. And I was still young in my career, and was I ready to take that next step? Of course, you know, everyone wants that opportunity, but uh, you know, like we had that conversation, Darren. I was totally, you know, I w- they might have not thought I would I would come back. Had other offers on the table from other teams, yep. and actually, one of them, you know, Toronto was. It was I, and it's crazy now looking at it. Toronto wanted me like they were threw me more money than when the yeah. Pigs pay me right now. They were trying to get me. And then when I turned that down is when they offered Andrew and took Andrew, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. you know what I mean? But uh I was I would have came back still if Andrew was here and my thing was, you know, why not try and get us both involved? Yeah. Like why not try to get us both in the field? But in the back of my mind, I kinda knew, you know, for however long Andrew's gonna be here, I'm probably not gonna get on the field. Yeah. It's just just the way it's going to go i mean and he's proven himself and you know he's going to go down as one of the greatest ever play at that position so of course i respected that but at the same time i was like why not try to get us both in the field because i i knew my potential and yeah. i've shown my potential i'm like you know i can help this team win football games mm-hmm. right and then the way it worked out i mean i was like man now i guess it's my time now yeah
0: right yeah the beginning of last year brady you've been pretty open about this it was tough right the the taken over from andrew you're in that shadow and the the numbers weren't there at the beginning and you, you were reading probably too much social media and it got in your head maybe a little bit but you had to fight through that too right i mean people always think uh well you got all these physical gifts and you can run around and through people and catch the ball and all that kind of stuff block but there's another part of it too right and, that, and you talked about how you've grown maybe Talk about growing through that and understanding about how to shelve that shit
1: and and yeah, totally. And you know, I've been through lots in my life. You know, lots of adversity, and that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. Even harder than an injury, like Mm. that injury I had back in nineteen, where I snapped my ankle. Like going through facing all the critics and hearing all the noise was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through, and I think you know. I have, a, I have quite the presence on social media. So, you know, I use it quite actively. Mm-hmm. So it's just right in front of her face to read. It's it's hard for me to... And it was hard for me to try to avoid it because it's right there. And once it's there, what are you going to do? You're going to look at it and probably read it. Right. And just, you know, this this is the greatest game in the world. And the highs are so good. Like, the highs are amazing. Yep. But the lows are so low. And people that haven't experienced it don't really know. And it, it sucked. Like, there was... Lots of dark days, you know, I, I go home and it's like, man, like you start just to doubt yourself in everything now. It's like, can I, can I really do this? Am I meant to, to do this? Yeah. You know, should I, am I done? Like, should I just stop? Like nothing was working. Yeah. And then I just, I continue just to, you know, like work and work and work and keep my head down and continue to push through and and obviously the guys in this locker room is what really made me continue to work you know and I remember having so many good conversations with Wally and Sheed and Dembski and Zach like like the list goes on my coaches like coach Jay was a big person in my corner that year Jason Hogan yeah Yeah. coach Coach Jason was if it wasn't for him I don't know if I would have got through that season and through those hard times, he was really there to support me and, and have those, you know, uncomfortable conversations. And, and yeah, we got, I mean, we got through it, man, like it, but it, it was tough. I mean, the media, man, when you're good, they love you. When you, when you're, when you're shit, they'll shit on you. Yeah. You know,
2: I remember coming off the field with you in Calgary last summer. Oh yeah. And we had won, it was a, a tight game and you had played really well. And it was kind of, you kind of broken through the door at that, at that point. And, you you said something maybe coming off the field something about you know i really i really needed this and that's kind of how everything started rolling right i mean that kind of that that game set the tone for the rest of your season
1: i remember i remember that i'm like picturing in my head like running over to you and uh, i think i had some media obligations as we were chatting i was like man like i i needed that game and looking back at that year uh I was talking to Ed about this, I think, this year, but, you know, that that Calgary game was, like, the worst game of my career, like, ever. Like, whatever the numbers were, I think I had, like, nine total rushing yards or something. I'm like, this is insane. <sighs> like, like I'm supposed to be this power back that's supposed to be falling forward on every single run, at least getting four or five mm-hmm. yards. Like, But I got nine yards this entire game, and I'm like, that was a game I'm like, man, like, can I – I didn't know if I could, like, I remember going home and, like, literally crying, man. Like, yeah. be totally vulnerable here yep. right now. But I was like, like, fuck, can I do this anymore? Like, I don't know if I can. And on the sidelines, Coach Berg's came up to me, and that was my running back coach when I first got here. So he, he knows me quite well because he's, he's known me for the longest. And he, I remember him, him saying to me, like, just, just be you. Like, just I know what you can do. Like, just stay to who you are. And the next game was Edmonton. And you know you started to see you started to see you know Brady running you know strong and getting north and running aggressive, and then that following game, you know playing in Calgary at Calgary, I think was my breakthrough game yeah. breakthrough game that I really needed I needed that for my confidence, my morale um to show my teammates that hey oh like that that's him like that's a guy that we we want in our team, and we know what he can do and then ever since then, I mean it was it, yeah, obviously, lots of hard work, but I'm glad the way it went.
0: That, the, the week before that, the game in Edmonton, everybody talks about the running into Ed Gainey. That's the kind of play that can show up on film, and I'm sure after the game, guys are watching it and going, whoa, or like, and maybe that's kind of a boost too, right? Because that's you. plowing into a guy putting your helmet into a guy's chest and driving him backwards totally that had to be like all right this like that starts the momentum doesn't it
1: yeah there's nothing greater than you know making your teammates proud i mean in my eyes especially i mean there's if i can go out there and even just throwing a a good block or and just laying my body in the line and knowing that my teammates appreciate that and then they see that and like man like that dude's tough Like, he's going to lay his body in the line. That's what I love. And knowing that my teammates can rely on that, you know, every single week. Of course, you know, people can do that, you know, a week here, another week. But can you do that consistently and, like, show your teammates that you're willing to do that? And it just took some time for me to to show them that. But I think, you know, once we started rolling, now they're like, oh, like, this guy is serious. And, you know, he's a tough dude. And I think when this game is done for me, whether that's in, you know, five years, seven years, ten years, I want to be known that, you know, that dude was tough. Like, he he ran tough. He played through shit. Like, that dude was tough. Like, it was hard to get him off the field and, and hard to get him to miss games because he, he was just a tough, you yeah. know, yeah. tough dude.
2: The whole playing for your teammates thing is interesting because I'm not saying you, you didn't necessarily feel this way before, like two, three years ago. But I don't know that those words would have come out of your mouth two or three years ago. Do you know what I'm saying For like sure. just you just think differently now.
1: Uh, totally. And I and that's the whole thing about about growing and, and learning how to be a pro and really buying in. You know, that whole FIFO term, I think when I first got here, I'm like, Okay, like sure. FIFA, like fit in or fuck off, okay. Like yeah. be be with the boys, be about the boys. But then as you really experience it and grow, like I said, the ebbs and flows of, of the whole year that goes on you don't really know what it is until you go through it, yeah. and totally. Now it's like, and that's why I try to preach to the young guys: is is you got to buy in and 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 show your teammates that you're really about this. Like you're gonna go out there and lay your body in the line, and whatever your role is, just just do it. And because I think you know, looking back at my journey, the way it went, obviously with that injury, was a challenge for me, and and I think it was like, okay, we're gonna test you, like, because facing an injury like that isn't, isn't easy, you know, going, getting surgery like that and being done all year, it is, isn't tough at all. It isn't, isn't hard at all. Right. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Oh. yeah. I know what you mean. Isn't it easy. Isn't easy. Yeah, there you go. Isn't it's easy. hard to say
1: that, but it it's not, isn't yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the way the whole, uh, my career has gone so far for sure. I yeah. wouldn't have probably said that a couple of years yeah. ago, but now it's, uh, yeah, I've grown a lot, man.
0: Yeah, you, no, one, you sure have, buddy. One of the things that you touched on, Brady, and we talked about this during Great Cup week last week last year, and I'm just looking at the story again, and it's underlying and everything you're saying is about running hungry. And you, can you talk talked about that again too? Because it's a part of who you are growing up, right? And you 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 told that story about really understanding what hung being hungry is metaphorically and all totally. that stuff too, right? Can you? Tell that story again.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that's, my whole childhood has kind of shaped me around the man that I am today. You know, the the shit that I had to go through, I mean, growing up, and like you said, that, that story you wrote, by the way, was amazing. Like, so many people messaged me, I remember that week, and were like, man, like, this is so well written, and. You did a good job, Ed. Appreciate. it. Yeah. <laughs> like you did, well, he, you did, you did yeah, a great he, job.
2: It takes a lot of editing to, to fucking clean this
1: I mean. up. You know? <laughs> I
0: was waiting for the, the slap across the back yeah. of the head from over here. Okay.
1: <laughs> but uh, but no, I knew. But no, in all seriousness, my uh, yeah, I mean, the way I grew up. I mean, look, I I like to sh- share my story and the way I grew up because you never know, you know, who will hear it and it might, you know, touch touch a heart here and there and and. You know, might get someone to change or whatever the case may be. But, you know, growing up in a household with, you know, addiction and someone, you know, uh, heavily addicted to, you know, to drugs, uh, it's, it's challenging. You know, there's lots of shit that as a kid that you have to go through and witness and see and hear um, and shit that kids should never have to go through but i think i turned in you know i turned a negative into a positive and i think my my siblings and i did a great job you know staying tight knit together throughout this whole struggles that we faced growing up like our whole life and use sport to kind of you know empower that and to get us to okay we don't want our life to be like this let's change the narrative here and let's use this as fuel and hunger and that's you know going back to you know, that, that hunger feeling that I talk about and, and kind of, you know, relaying it to back to, you know, some days opening the fridge and there's no food in there and literally being like, I am I was hungry, you know what I mean? And and using all these things to, you know, this is not how I want my life to be. This is not how I want my future family's life to be. I want it to change. Um, so ever since then, I, I mean, even now, you know, I've been extremely blessed uh, with obviously this, football career and you know that's being my financial you know stability in my life and then also you know doing being an influencer online and having a manager for that and that's a full-time gig and a full-time salary so very blessed now financially which is amazing but I still always want to you know look back on what I had to go through in order to get where I am today Mm. and continue to you know not get complacent and to always be hungry and always to try to you know strive to be better because that's what i did growing up and look to where it got me now so i want to just keep on going because i know the ceiling for me is the sky's the limit for me for brady oliver i can keep going and i know i can do lots of great things in this in this world whether that's in football or or you know lots of the charity work that i do with with kids or, or the dog rescue stuff i do or or online with my social media business uh, the sky's the limit, so I just want to you know always stay hungry and yeah. and keep going.
2: Let's move away from football. We have got a few more minutes with you here, buddy. So, the the dog rescuing thing is is obviously you said you, you do a lot of stuff, and we can't we just probably don't have time to cover it all. But the dog, <laughs> dog rescue stuff is is touches a lot of people. Obviously, maybe how did you get into this all this stuff and like how the fuck do you do it? <laughs> Honestly, I mean I've you know how many messages I send you, yeah. but that seeing those videos is just disgraceful stuff, man.
1: Yeah, it's wild. It's uh, so how I got into it was um, my buddy Ryan Clausen, you know, one of my best friends. He uh, he's been doing this rescue work for you know, now probably like ten years, and he put in our group chat a couple years ago uh, if anyone wanted to come up for a drive with him. All these communities we go to are quite far, you know, a couple hour drive. So he was more so looking for some company so i've always been intrigued in the work that he do- he was doing because i saw on his instagram so i messaged him right away. actually i think i called him right away i'm like hey i'll come with you for sure I w- i've always wanted to come check it out so he's like okay if you want to i went in totally blind not knowing what to expect even being from here yeah and most people that are from winnipeg and from this province of manitoba still don't know what's going for on. for sure yeah just like i was in the dark and i had no idea i I'd go to this community and I'm like, holy shit! Like, yeah. this is what goes on. Like, I had no idea. So, so tell tell us what goes on. What do you? What do you so it's it's just, you know, stray dogs, uh, n- people. You know, the community's not mandating spay and neuters. Yeah. Um, the neglect, the abuse that these animals are facing cats, dogs, whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah like the shit that I have to see on on a on the regular going up there is just is insane.
2: I, I cut you off there. So, so you, you, go, yeah. you go up with him. And-
1: yeah. So once I, once I went there yeah. um, and knowing how bad it was and for example, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that this was going on. I'm like, well now more people need to be uh, in the light. Like this needs to be in the light and people need to know what's going on. So yeah. this is why, This is how kind of my passion for social media began because with social media, you can reach so many eyes and it's unbelievable. I've posted some videos that have gotten like millions of views and I'm like, this is insane. Just from me creating a video and posting it, now people, more eyes are on this topic and we can just raise more awareness. So that's what I've been doing ever since going on these animal rescue missions is showing people, hey, this is what's going on. This is ways you can help and and just you know putting light to it um because i think more people need to know what's going on and and i think they're i can go on and on about this topic but i think especially in manitoba everywhere i travel now there's this issue but especially in manitoba there needs to be more mandates and bylaws in these communities um to protect these animals because right now you know and i always say i love being a voice of the voiceless and these animals are helpless and they have no one helping them and it fucking pisses me off because i go up there and you constantly see dogs. Um, you know, skin and bones, dogs, for example, in the summertime, covered in ticks, um, no fresh food or water outside, chained up, um, covered in mange, uh, yeah. just, just it's it's sickening, and it's disgusting that, you know, these human beings are treating these animals like this up there, and there's no consequences for them. It's just, yeah. it really, really bothers me. It really does bother me. Yeah. Well,
0: so we see, I saw some of the, your latest uh, Uh, posts from your latest trip and it it is sad and it's it's disgusting and it's depressing in a way so what's the where's the joy come for you on this what's is it just the seeing an animal be recovered and saved like i mean maybe i'm connecting some easy dots here but what's the joy
1: yeah and i think uh you know going up all the time and and seeing you know shitty situations over and over and over again but what makes you going back all the time, is the ones that you can save. I mean, you're never going to save them all because there's way too many unless people started just you know, mandating spay and neuter. And, and the, at people, just fix your, fix your pets. If everyone just spay and neutered their animals, this wouldn't be an issue because I'm constantly going into these communities or in different parts of the world trying to make an impact. And you take one dog, but then there's another mom in the street that's not spayed and now they have puppies and now it's like, okay, well I took some in and now it's just starting uh, over again. I'm starting over again. So, um, but what makes, you know, me keep going, you know, rescue after rescue is, you know, getting the ones and bringing them in and and transforming them. And then, you know, when I get pictures or videos from people being like, Oh my God, like you rescued my dog. Like I adopted this dog in BC and it's now thriving. Like here's some pictures. And it, it was a dog that, was just like oh my gosh live this shitty life and now it's living the life like the most amazing life so I think that's what makes it worth it I was just in a community a couple days ago on our off day and we we rescued 50 animals 23 wow. 23 dogs and 27 cats and uh, one of the dogs that we got so kind of relating back to why I do this um, two months prior to that so before the season started I went up to this this community on a wellness check. I um, went to deliver, you know, dog food, cat food to the community. Dewormed puppies, gave medication um, for tick season c- coming up, uh, and just putting out fresh water. Just checking on the animals there. We were on a free an intake freeze here. Our fosters were too full, so we couldn't bring any more dogs in. But I'm like, okay, well, we can still go check on dogs and help them out, even though we can't bring them in. I came across this one puppy that was, you know, quite skinny. Um, it was early signs of mange just was being neglected and we were like okay well maybe we can have room for one puppy we can just bring one puppy in and we'll find a foster well the owner at the time was not having it uh it's a beautiful like cane corso mixed puppy of course they want this puppy right now because it's a puppy but what people don't understand over there is that well puppies don't always stay puppies they get big yeah. and you have a cane corso that's going to get very big So fast forward it, they didn't want to, you know, surrender the dog to us, even though it was being neglected. That's when people need to step in and they shouldn't be having dogs. But anyways, we go back a couple days ago and we go to this same house because they've contacted us to, hey, we have a dog in our property that we don't want. We go to the house and I'm like, oh, this is that house. I guarantee you it's that same dog. We go there. This dog comes crawling under from the deck, has no life in it, skinny, couldn't even and I posted the video about it. It couldn't even, uh, get on all fours. Like it had, had no life and we we're able to take the dog back with us. And, um, and yeah, she's doing amazing right now. She's in her foster home and, uh, yeah, she's like a totally different dog and it's only been probably three days wow. now. So it's, it's pretty, that's why I do it. So yeah. for reasons, yeah. right. Reasons like and that.
2: And you don't just do this here. So you were away last winter in Bali. How you you said, Bali. Bali. Bali, Bali. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what 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 was going on there? You, you you were filming something? Are we even allowed to talk about that? Yeah, oh, of course. Okay, right.
1: Yeah, of course. Because uh, if people want to watch, there's season one is on on YouTube. Uh, I was filming. Uh a mini-series called Running Back to the Rescue um, with the Dodo. The Dodo is uh, an animal welfare group. Um, They're massive on social media. they got millions and millions of followers across all their platforms, and they post um, animal rescue videos. So uh, we're creating, my girlfriend and I, Alex, we're creating a mini-series called Running Back to the Rescue. We filmed season one in in Cabo in Mexico two years ago, so that season one is out on, on YouTube, and we're filming season two in Bali. Um, but yeah, you know, my passion and Alex's passion as well for traveling. Um, and obviously with, you know, the luxury of playing in the CFL, you know, you work for six months and you, you know, you have six months off, obviously you got to make sure you're staying in shape and training, but in my eyes, I can do that anywhere in the world. I can go find, you know, nice gyms and in Bali, I actually found the nicest gym, that I've ever trained at in my entire life, so it worked out perfect. So I was able to, you know, get my work at, workouts in every day. Rescue dogs, street dogs, every day it was great. But uh, my passion of traveling and then also doing rescue work works out great because, like I said, it seems to be everywhere I go in the world. There's an issue. So what we do is we just, you know, with social media, I'll just reach out to rescues in certain areas of the world that I want to go to, and uh, team up with them. And they'll kind of, you know, alert me where the hot spots are, and I'm able to, you know. And, and we also raise money for this. We started GoFundMes. And I think for the Mex- Mexico Rescue Mission, we raised 15 grand. And for Bali, we, really, we raised 12 grand. So the people are amazing, the support that you know we get through social media. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're awesome, man. Like, they love the work that we do.
2: And you're going back, are you not, this winter?
1: I, I got a few trips planned. So actually, um, I'm going to Turks and Caicos in December, um, rescue related. Okay. Um, it's crazy. Like these people want me to come do this work there, and I'm like, they think I'm some sort of like higher up person. I'm like, I'm just a normal dude. I, regardless of my, you know, public figure status of being a pro athlete, I'm still a uh, human being that just wants to give back and I'm yeah. passionate about rescue. But this hotel wants to put us up in this very nice resort for like a wow. week and and help out with their local shelters in Turks and Caicos. So we're gonna do that after the season in December. Um, and then we're gonna go back to Bali. Uh, we might spend Christmas there, or go right after Christmas, and be there for probably three weeks. Do some rescue work there, and then go do Thailand for two months, and film season three of Running Back to the Rescue in Thailand. So, wow, where, where, do you know, where yet or no? We don't know where yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard lots of. You were just there. Yeah. But what's a nice spot in Thailand? Phuket. Sure. Yeah. Cool right?
2: movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So we'll see where I go, yeah. but there's a lot. There's beautiful down there. I just yeah. I love that part of the world. Southeast Asia was great, and uh, it's sad, but their that their dog issue out, out there is crazy. Yeah.
2: Man. Well, anyway, anything, anything else, Eddie?
0: <laughs> no, I'm good. I just hey, before we go, I should again thank PlayNow.com for jumping in as a title sponsor for this. So appreciate Brady for coming in. Yeah, buddy, thanks awesome. very much. Appreciate story. it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks as always to Darren Cameron. That's the latest episode of Handled Internally on BlueBombers.com. Three, two, one...